Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and I am once again joined by Pastor Skizik. Welcome back. If you Thank could, you. If you could see him, you could see how excited he is. Uh, we get to look over the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and I would like to play around with the Old Testament and the gospel. And you, you hinted at the epistle, so maybe we will get all three of them in. Um, there's a lot going on, and there's some struggle going on, especially in the gospel lesson. But before we get to the gospel lesson, we have um, the prophet Jeremiah. He, by far, is one of my favorite prophets. He's not a reluctant prophet. He very much knows what he's going to do. He also knows that uh, the mission in which our Lord has sent him on is going to result in his death, and he does it. Now, when I say he's not reluctant, I'm pretty sure he didn't get a, a nice letter in the mail from Jesus that said, hey, I got this thing for you to do, and oh, by the way, hmm. they're going to kill you. Hope it works out. See you in heaven. I'm sure he wasn't excited about this, but the fact that not only does he take on the mantle of prophet, multiple times he says, I'm here to preach God's word in its fullness and faithfully do with me as you see fit, but innocent blood will be on your hands. It's not a guilt trip. That's not a, um, a safety death man switch or anything like that. That's just truth. And the fact that he still does it, I think is amazing. And there's also the statement throughout scripture, um, especially with uh, prophets, preachers, evangelists, apostles, the whole, anybody who preaches. You preach Christ crucified. Yes. You don't preach what the itchy ear wants to hear. You don't preach what the people want to hear. Because then it's really actually, I think it's interesting, that's actually law. People want to hear law. And they also want to be confirmed in the law. See what I'm doing. Or they want to use it to convict everybody else. I don't know if you do this, but when I hear law, I, I hear, yeah, I probably should do it. But do you know who really needs to hear it? Mm -hmm. You always pass it on. Yes. But uh, Jeremiah, at the very beginning, and I, I love to say, through the, Holy, through the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah the prophet says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They shall continually to those who despise the word of the Lord. It shall be well with you to, and to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart. They say, no disaster shall come upon you. So right there, the prophet Jeremiah has guts. 
Yes. He is saying what God says. He's standing firm, and he's pointing out all the popular preachers, prophets, uh, all the guys that probably have a big following. He's pointing them out and saying, don't listen to them because they're not actually telling you the truth. But but Jeremiah, he makes me feel good. He, he, he's giving me life lessons. He's giving morality. He's giving me all these things. Why would you speak against him? And again, Jeremiah lays it out. Thus says the Lord. Jeremiah doesn't say, these guys are encroaching on my crowd, my listeners, my people. Thus says the Lord. Don't listen to these false prophets. Which really, sa- really means that Jeremiah is saying, they are not from God. <laughs> they don't have his authority. They don't have his backing. They don't have his support. And they are telling you, you are okay with God. He just made everybody feel comfortable in their sins. And Jeremiah shows up and says, no, no, disaster is coming. And they're not telling you about it. The house is on fire. Mm -hmm. Get out. He's raising the alarm. And I think this is so important for us today because I have no problem saying we live in a very weird culture. The culture really wants authenticity. They really want truth. They really want uh, to be connected to real things. But when these real things affect the way you view the world or the way you want things to be, well, that just doesn't work out. Uh, The heart wants what the heart wants. Uh, Why can't you be accepting? Why can't you just love? Why can't you just Mm -hmm. do these things? Well, we need to be corrected. We all need to be corrected. We all need to hear God's word. And the great thing about this is God's word is the authority. Uh, When people challenge me about sin, Pastor, I don't see this as a sin. I tell them, your argument's not with me. I literally am only the messenger. Because truth be told, I would love it if God would be a little more loose on Mm -hmm. what he called sin. Because I really want to do this or that, and I want to have the free, you know, so on and so forth. But God says no. Yep. And I'm going to listen to God because, as Jesus says, don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body only. Be scared of the one who can destroy body and soul. And I really think he says that slowly and points to himself. And that's throwing the gauntlet down. What about your life eternal? Who are you listening to? The guy that's taking you to hell, all comfortable and nice? Or the guy who's taking you to heaven in the pains and struggles of this life? Uh, Jesus makes no bones about it. To follow me is to suffer for my namesake. And that doesn't mean that Jesus is, ooh, I get to make people suffer. This is the reality of our world. We live in a corrupt world. Uh, Even Jesus calls the devil the prince of this world. He is the one leading this. He is the one corrupting and continuing to further the corruption. And so, dear listener, be careful who you listen to. And uh, you have two pastors here, 
And I know both of us strive for faithfulness of what does Scripture say, not what do I want to say, or what will make more people say, good job, Pastor, good sermon. And Pastor Skizik, I know you've had to wrestle with this. Yes. Um, how many times have you gotten in the pulpit and you know you got the sermon and you're like, I rocked this, and not a single person says anything? Oh, more times than, more times than not to be honest. Yes. Okay, now on the flip side, you struggle with a sermon oh, yes. and you you stumble over the words and you get out of the pulpit and you're like, oh, please, God, forgive me for, for, for whatever that was. Yes. And then everybody says, Pastor, thank you for speaking to exactly. me. Exactly. Sometimes those steps out of the pulpit are the hardest step I've had <laughs> yes. to make because every step I take, it's, why did you try? Yeah, on those service, those sermons where I thought, where I thought I actually nailed it, mm-hmm. and I thought I had the points down, and those you kind of expect everybody to come out and say, "Hey, great job, Pastor," and you hear nothing. I'm still waiting for the the parishioner to come up. Would you Would you sign my bulletin? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but and these are the. This is why I I'm so humbled and good and appropriately humbled by. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, because when I speak in the church to God's people, am I speaking or is God speaking? Mm-hmm. And then also not making that an excuse where now it's God said, and then I make something up because yes. now that's the second commandment issue and so on and so forth. This is very humbling because again, where is the source? And this flows really right into the gospel lesson because we get this very nice, kind, and loving Jesus who just wants to come and hug everybody and make everybody feel good and nice. And he does it with the opening words of our text. And again, smiling, happy Jesus looks upon you and says, I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it had already been kindled, I have a baptism to baptize with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. That sounds like a wonderful, comforting, hugging Jesus. Yes, if I would have heard that from his mouth, I would have thought, uh, this is not the Jesus I thought he was. Yeah. Ooh, good, yeah. Uh, He's supposed to be kind, Mm -hmm. loving, caring. All accepting. Yes, and... uh, I hear him say that, and I'm scratching my head wondering, I came to cast fire on the earth. That doesn't sound like a kind, loving Jesus to me. So all kidding aside, all sarcasm aside, I agree with you in the sense that Jesus has spoken very openly. Yes. I have come to redeem the world, save, rescue the world. Why would he bring fire and wrath if he's here to save us. Again, the house is on fire. Jesus, come and save me. And he shows up and says, I come to bring this very fire. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And I think you're going to get, you're going to, get to the verse, but the very next ber- verse says, uh, um, do, not think that, do not think that I have come to give peace on earth. Hey, that's what yeah. we do at Christmas. Isn't he the, the he prince is the, of peace? The prince of peace. I did not come to bring peace to the world. It, it just, 
some of these words just don't make sense to me. Absolutely. And what I love about this is, first of all, Jesus is not contradictory. Jesus is not walking back earlier statements and nothing like this. Uh, one of the things, and I, I feel very jealous, uh, Pastor Skizik is on the other side of the table. Uh, he is truly a faithful pastor because he has his Bible open. And I just have a sheet of paper with the gospel. Uh, and... The <laughs> Word of God is laid before both of us. Yes. But I love what St. Paul says. That is the sword. What does the sword do? It cuts. Now, it's going to cut you by convicting you with the law, mm -hmm. but it's going to cut you to heal you. It's going to cut out sin, you know, so on and so forth. But the sword, that is a weapon. And that is the very weapon that is used in this world, we have the picture in Revelation where the sword is come, the double-edged sword double -edged. is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. That is his word. It cuts and it heals. Um, you know, it's the idea that when you go into surgery, you're cut open for your benefits and so on and so forth. So this, I've come to bring division, not peace. That is, those are fighting words. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came ready to fight this out. What's really cool about this is Jesus walks in. I've already got this one. And I'm like, come and bring it. And I'm going to bring all my power, all my weight to bear in this. It is going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems in families. It's going to cause problems in communities. It's going to cause problems in nations. It's going to cause problems in the world. Mm -hmm. and I will win, and I will reign. And we have to be very careful about this because we can't just brush off, well, um, I, I'm having a fight with my my wife, my father, my mother, my mother-in-law, my whoever in your family. Well, obviously, I'm right because I'm the Christian and mm -hmm. they're not. Jesus is not saying anything of the sort. This is truly about faith and belief. When we are baptized into Christ, when we are partakers of his life, the living in the faith that he has given and delivered, this makes us contrary to the world. Uh, I, I love, especially in connected to, connection to the, the peace that he doesn't bring. Mm -hmm. I come to bring peace, not that the peace, not the peace the world knows, gives, right. or understands. Right. And I love that because, again, Jesus can speak the truth. I haven't come to bring peace because everybody just wants to get along. Everybody wants just to be happy. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I have so much more for you. Yes. I have life eternal. Going back to the Old Old Testament, people like to hear that no disaster will come upon you. Yeah. I don't want to hear that I'm a sinner. I want, to, I want to be comfortable knowing that no disaster is going to come. Hey, all is good. Hell is not for me. Not for I'm me. I'm a good guy. Absolutely. I Absolutely. appreciate that you, you you tell me that. And um, But we get comfortable in our sins. Yes. So now who am I trusting? Right. It is not the Word of God. Exactly. It is all my good works, which are marred with the very yeah. sins yes. I ignore and pretend that don't happen. And the thing is, is even when we take our sins lightly, Thanks be to God, Jesus didn't. Mm -hmm. He comes and goes to the cross. And this is the distress that he speaks of in this text. He is not excited in the sense that he knows what it's going to take. Not only is he willful 
willfully going to do it. Um, we have Hebrews who says, for the joy set before him. Absolutely. And this joy, and, and Pastor Skizik and I were talking before uh, recording, the whole idea, and I think this is uh, exemplified in the prophet Jeremiah, this is the work that's laid before me. Mm-hmm. I will be resolute mm-hmm. because I know what the end game is. It's eternity and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited about this. And Jesus, full man, full flesh, distress. No doubt, no wavering distress. Yes. What does he pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes. If this can be taken away from me, your will, yeah, not, not mine. mine. And I, I get it. Because how many times, dear listener, do, have you seen a problem, a conflict, and you become resolute? I have to fix it. I have to have the hard conversation. I have to apologize. I have to. And you don't like it. Mm-hmm. You still step up and do it. Yes. Faith, I think, is the same way. I actually don't want to do my faith. I don't want to live in my faith. I want Jesus to just make everything hunky-dory, mm-hmm. and I sit down and relax and just let let God love me. And he, what does he do? He slaps me with his law and says, get up. I got stuff for you to do. Yes. Go live in my life. Go live in my forgiveness. Go live in my praise. And, and right there, this is hard because this is a division. The things that animate and motivate me aren't the things of the world. And the world doesn't get that. Family members don't get that. Friends don't get that. And so on and so forth. Which then in turns makes us look weird. Makes us look peculiar. Mm -hmm. And who likes to stand out in a crowd? Nobody. I'm a nonconformist by nature. So I kind of go out of my way on some of these things. But at the same time, it's not for undue attention. It's not, look at me. Right. And this is hard. And so when Jesus talks about this, and especially this baptism, this baptism of fire, this baptism of water, and baptism in uh, Greek, it just means washing, mm-hmm. and uh, this, this fire that Jesus speaks of. This is, again, another scary thing because this is judgment. This is God promising your sins, there will be a day of reckoning. Mm -hmm. And I am a just judge who knows everything you have done and you will pay for it. So if you just let that sit for a second, that's really scary. Yes. Uh, the, the, The sins that are in the deep recesses of my inner being that no one knows Mm -hmm. are known to God. Absolutely. No hiding. Yeah. And then he says, there's a day of reckoning. Yes. So what do we do with that? Where do I run and hide? How, how do I, how do I get out of this? And this is the the amazing thing. You don't, you really don't. Jesus comes He takes on your flesh, lives your life, and he takes this wrath, this judgment. And think of the wrath of God as fire. So the full inferno inferno of God's wrath is laid upon Jesus. If that fire is burned out on Jesus, which causes his death, 
what's left for you? Nothing. Right. The day of reckoning is over. Your judgment has already Mm -hmm. happened. And uh, there's this, this imagery that I love. It's the idea that you have Christ on the cross, and you get to stand behind the cross. And the wrath of God, the forsakenness poured upon Jesus is all on him. And we stand behind him as he shields us from the wrath we deserve. Yes. Now, with this, feel free to step to either side of the cross, and you too will join in that wrath. Mm -hmm. But I promise you, you will not survive. For Jesus takes the full wrath, and he rises again and says, your sins are forgiven, and here is my life. Live under the cross. Live in the protection of the cross. And again, this is the joy of what we have. And the problem is we have so many people who sidestep the cross and say, hey, it's great out here. Come join us. It feels good. And that's the problem. Yes. Sin always tastes good, looks good, good, feels good, you know, so on and so forth. And we have our rightful place under the cross. Mm -hmm. And that is our protection and that is our life. And again, it goes right back to the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord. And again, I take great comfort uh, preaching, teaching, being a pastor of the church. Thus says the Lord. Your sins are forgiven. Go forth and live in his peace and his mercy. So, dear listener, as you continue to prepare to get right for Sunday, look at your devotions, look at Scripture, look at the preaching, and hear the Word of God laid before you that helps you live in this world as you prepare for the life to come. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.